This podcast is a member of WGPRN, WildGamesProductions.com. folks, and welcome to the episode one of Darker Days Podcast. I'm your host, Vince, along with my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Vince. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first fun-packed show. Most anticipated. (laughs) Hyped up and anticipated. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'd like to point out that we've uh, received quite a bit of feedback, and uh, we've had quite a bit of downloads of the show, people listening, and some people have emailed us. Uh, Mark, you want to go ahead and start off with some of those emails? Yeah, our first email came in from Telperion, so uh, shout out to him. Um, he says, hi guys, you liked the intro to the, uh, to the podcast, said so the music wasn't too loud, it's always important. He loves the idea of spooky news, so we're going to uh, give you something in that regard real soon. Uh, he also says the uh, second and third segments to do with the old and new world of darkness, likes the sound of that. Um, he sees these segments as going one or two ways, either book reviews, which are welcome if done well, and secondly, talking about ongoing chronicles on or offline, uh, which may or may not be fruitful depending on how much you share actual content. Well, that's, I mean, that's absolutely true. A big important issue for us is making sure that whatever content we give uh, can be plugged into your game right away or as soon as possible. And a book review, uh, well, we've got a couple of those coming up today, Telperion, so hopefully that's going uh, to suit your needs. Yes, and that uh, that email once again, as of right now, will be uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail dot com, and you can email us if you just want to drop us a line, some advice, some comments. Uh, if you want to leave us an audio file, we'll play that on the air for you too. Uh, just drop yeah. us a line. Also, a shout out to Crothian and Hal Whiteworm, the gamer traveler over at EN World. They were both keen to see Changeling, the Dreaming Get coverage, uh, and Hal Whiteworm also posted a comment at our site, I think, which is really cool. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. We'll cover everything everybody demands, hopefully, and we will try not to disappoint. We will definitely try to stay on a weekly, I'm sorry, bi-weekly schedule. And if the demands, we'll move up to a week, every week. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. If our sanity can take it, that's a good idea, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, uh, well, just uh, just a little bit about us. Uh, I'll go first. Uh Basically, I started role-playing when I was about 12 or 13 years old. I remember I was at the, uh, I was at kind of a summer camp thing, and there was this, there was this, uh, this guy with a backpack that came every single day, this huge backpack. (laughs) I'm sure you know those days. He had this backpack, and he always came to the park, and he was, all these dice, and then I was just wondering, I kept watching every day, and. He was actually playing uh, D6 Star Wars by the uh, West End Games. I'm sure you remember uh, that. Yeah, great game. Yeah, it's a wonderful game, actually. So I started watching, and then eventually uh, I started joining in and going less to the summer camp and more playing D6 Star Wars. <laughs> Excellent way to spend your time. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, it's good to say my parents were not happy about that, but we'll get into that at a different time. Yeah, and I know then- that. <laughs> And then from there, uh, we had moved on to uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh, the evil yeah. game. Yeah, the big one. Yeah. And from there, I uh, you know went on my own. And as I moved around and went to different groups, I started 
experiencing different games and until I eventually found uh, World of Darkness, which was wonderful. My uh, first experience of World of Darkness started with Vampire the Masquerade. And uh, I still remember my first character. I still have my first character for Vampire the Masquerade. He was a Toreador. He was, uh, I named him Wolfman Jack. <laughs> no way. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> his name was Wolfman Jack, and his whole concept was he was like an entertainer wrestler. <laughs> and he worked for the WWE. At, well, it was F back then, but now it's E. And uh, his whole thing was he was just trying to obtain the uh, <laughs> the world title, and it, it was a fun. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it was a fun concept character. I really enjoyed playing him. The idea also came because I was watching a movie with one of my friends, and uh, I can't remember it. it was uh, it was like a horror type cheesy B horror movie, and the guy looked like Wolfman Jack in the movie, and he was using a chainsaw to fight giant flies or something like that. Awesome! Awesome. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it, we always re- referred to that movie. Anyway, <laughs> that brings us up to current times. Uh, my current group, we're doing uh, a mixture of different games right now. I'm trying to introduce my group into uh, Old World of Darkness, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Mark, what about your history? Well, I don't have anything in it as cool as Wolfman Jack, the chainsaw-wielding <laughs> pro-wrestler vampire. I mean, <laughs> I can't beat that. No, I started around the same age. Um, I'd heard about uh, role-playing games from various sources, you know, magazines and books. And so I just went home one day and uh, invented my own game based on what I'd heard called Castle. And it had two stats, strength and power. <laughs> and, yeah, I can't remember what either of them did. <laughs> Used all the dice in the world I owned, which was like 5d6. And that kept me going until we finally made it to a gaming store and I bought, uh, I guess it was the old uh, purple box with, of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, of course. Mm, yeah. With, uh, with the Arrow Lotus cover. Oh. And that kept me, yeah, that kept me going for years. Uh, got a lot of good play out of Torg when that came out, also from West End Games. Um, and stumbled across World of Darkness uh, through Mage, uh, which has kept me busy ever since. There was this, I think, eight-page uh, handout in a Dragon magazine that talked about this game, Mage the Ascension. And mm. Back then, the Sons of Aether were still called the Parmenidians, which I guess is a bit of obscure Mage trivia that means nothing to anybody who's not an obsessive Mage fan. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, never looked back from there. Been, been playing Mage and uh, Dark Ages and uh, other old World of Darkness games ever since. Got a, a mage, got a mage game going now every Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's keeping us busy, keeping us entertained. So no uh, chainsaw-wielding mages? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, if I can figure out how to get one in, you better believe I'm going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a bit about us. If you want to drop us a line and you know tell us some of your history. I believe one of our emailers uh, did tell us a little bit about his history, but we won't read that on the air because that might have been just before us. Right, Mark? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell, yeah, tell Perrin gave us a really interesting breakdown on his on his gaming background. Um, uh, but we've got to keep the show under like an hour's length, so you know we'll we'll save that for another oh. day. <laughs> okay, let's move on to uh, our news segment, uh, strange news, which we have yet to. Uh, we want to name this segment other than strange news. If you yeah, spook, have... spooky news doesn't really do it, does it? It doesn't no, kind of have that no. nice gothic punk edge to it. Now, if you have any ideas or tips or maybe you want to name it, you could uh, drop us a line and uh, give us some ideas or hints or tips or whatever. Yep. Uh, one zombie ant will go to the uh, winning entry. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, let's do the official intro. And now it's strange news with Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Well, today's entry it was uh, put my way by... Uh, 
player in my mage group, so uh, hey, Neil, this one's for you. Um, the Georgia Guidestones. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with these things. The Georgia Guidestones are basically a huge granite monument in Elbert County in, uh, well, you guessed it, Georgia. Um, USA. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tw- a 20-foot-tall series of slabs of stones, six granite slabs, weighing more than 240,000 pounds. And they're inscribed with messages, um, kind of like a, a Ten Commandments, a, a sort of post-apocalyptic Ten Commandments in eight modern languages. as English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. And then a shorter message inscribed at the top in four ancient languages, Babylonian, Classical Greek, Sanskrit, and Egyptian hieroglyphics. And they basically give instructions for surviving after the collapse of global civilization, right? And in addition to that, it's the, uh, the monument is aligned to astronomical precision. It functions as a calendar. It can track the moon, the sun, the north star, etc., etc. Now, does that tie in with the whole Mayan calendar and the world ending in 2012, possibly? Well, they've not actually uh, tied it down to, to any one specific belief system. But yeah, you know, uh, that's, that's the next doomsday date that's awaiting us. So I'll guarantee you that the monument's going to get a lot of attention just before then. I mean, its messages, they're straightforward things. You know, it's stuff like uh, leave room for nature, um, prize beauty, truth, and love, seek harmony with the infinite, avoid petty laws and useless officials. You know, just good standard advice for living in a harmonious society. A couple of them are a little bit creepy. The first one says, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Now, given that we've well cleared 6 billion on the planet, <laughs> it doesn't leave room for, for most of us. Another one says, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity, uh, which is you know, kind of interesting on the surface of it, but it has that whole sort of Nazi eugenics overtone going with it there. So uh, a little bit creepy. Yeah, what, I, what I find most interesting about the Georgia Guy Stands, however, is where they came from. Uh, it was June 1979, and a guy calling himself R.C. Christian hired a local granite finishing company in uh, Elberton to build a structure. Uh, he turned up out of nowhere. Uh, they didn't believe him at first. This is crazy. And then he showed that he could produce the money. He claimed he represented a group interested in offering direction to humanity. Um, so his money was good, the monument was built, and uh, he vanished. And that's the last that's been heard of the guy ever since. Uh, his letters uh, to and fro between him and, the, mine, and the, uh, the, the finishing company were supposed to have been destroyed. That was one of the provisos of his, uh, of his business deal. But one of the contacts kept them all and uh, now hides them in his garage. Yeah, of all places to hide something, they'll never think to look in your garage. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, supposition and, uh, and guesswork as to who it was who paid for these things, what they really mean, what's the purpose of them. You know, so basically you've got this shadowy cabal who fund the construction of an artifact that's designed to help humanity in the aftermath of some apocalypse. Nobody knows who they were, what the stones are really for, or why there's so much secrecy surrounding its construction. Now, how can you go wrong with this kind of stuff? It's, it's, it's perfect game material. Perfect. Um, yeah, definitely. If you're... You're looking for inspiration, you can, and you're you're running a mage game. I mean, new dark, world of darkness, old world of darkness, dark ages. Well, it can't be dark ages, but <laughs> maybe you could fit into dark ages somehow. Who knows? But it's still a great tool. I mean, you could sit there and look at all the information on this and base a campaign on this. I mean, maybe a secret society is 
using these for something, or maybe it's used to harness power from the moon. I don't know. Whatever yeah, you yeah. think of. There are people who could have seen the future, like an apocalyptic cult and wish to guard against it. Or maybe it was made by people from the future who are looking to prevent the disasters that ruin their world. Or you know, maybe they, they, they're looking for their own unmaking. Or, so you've got a shadowy cabal who funded the construction of, of an artifact, and it's a paradox magnet, you know? Mm. Uh, and if it's a paradox magnet, maybe it attracts abyssal entities or paradox spirits who try to prevent people from learning its secrets because they don't want the timeline being messed with. Now, there's any number of different interpretations you can throw on this thing. Yeah, definitely true. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about it, looking at the uh, picture, which, by the way, anyone can uh, look it up at the... Uh, if you Google it, you'll get a, a Wikipedia site for it, and uh, there's quite a bit of information on it and some pictures if you want to. And, of course, if you uh, happen to live in that area, we'd appreciate some nice pictures of your perspective. Yeah, a little bit of local knowledge. That would be very cool. Oh, yeah, you can email them to our email address of darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. So that's the Georgia Guidestones for you. A little bit of uh, strangeness from our world to the world of darkness. And uh, that'll do it for the news segment. Uh, next week, we'll, well, two weeks from now, we'll be talking about the killer, no, just the zombie ants. Zombie ants, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Can't so we're going to leave you with that. You're going to be wanting more. Everybody wants more zombie ants. It's, it's a natural human urge. <laughs> I'm actually scared of those things myself. <laughs> okay, moving along. Uh, this will be our... Uh, we're going to move on to our old world of darkness, or original world of darkness, preferring how you want to say it. Um, go ahead, Mark. Classic, classic world of darkness. Classic, old, original. I've seen it you know, named a bunch of different ways in the forums and from people, so... Uh, I think our first review is going to be of Dark Ages this week. Dark Ages Vampire, I believe. Vampire Dark Ages, Dark Ages Vampire, whichever way you want to put it. Both the same thing, pretty much. Yeah, more or less, huh? Well, before we get on to those, those I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the book Constantinople by Night, um, which was the first setting book that came out for Vampire the Dark Ages. But before getting on to that... Uh, what I always found interesting was the rumors about the lost books for the Dark Ages line. There's a handful of books that were planned and their names are out there that were never actually able to be published because the Dark Ages line was canceled. Which I think, in my opinion, was uh, a very bad move. But I understand why they did it. I mean, they still could have kept the Dark Ages line going. There's quite a bit of buzz for it. I see lots of people always talking about Dark Ages. I mean, it's a wonderful system and... Well, you know, you got to make money where you got to make money. It's a shame. We miss it. But uh, the good thing about role-playing games is as long as you have the books, they don't really go anywhere. So, yeah. Definitely true. As long as you have your imagination, uh, that's there's your limit is your imagination pretty much. Yeah. Now, one of these was a book called Darkening Sky. Um, and it was based around an eclipse that took place on the 14th of May, 1230. It got so dark that farm laborers went back to bed for an hour thinking that they hadn't started yet. Um, now, the idea for uh, Dark Ages was that Darkening Sky was going to be a chronicle book, um, one for each uh, of the five character types, Vampire, Werewolf, Mage, Inquisitor, and Fae. Uh, and it's, this is the date significant you know, for the werewolves because it's a fulfillment of one of their prophecies. For the Fae, it's the end of the Oath Truce, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which was a hundred-year truce they had uh, so they can uh, explore humanity more closely um, so it would have featured a story for each of the five character types but with sidebars explaining how to run a story for each of the other character types 
Um, I think I think that would have been fascinating to see. Uh, well, if they would have printed them, it would have been nice to see these books. But obviously, they didn't print them, so we just have to go by what fans have put together for us. Mm-hmm. Another one was Hallowed Ground. Uh, that was going to be a discussion of holy sites and places of power again for all the five Dark Ages lines. Um, now, apparently, there was a fair bit of development work done on that one. Uh, and there had been talk of releasing some of it online for the fans, uh, but I don't know if that ever came to anything. I've not actually seen any uh, any concrete contents from that book. No, I've I, I actually I remember reading what you're talking about, and uh, I don't remember them actually publishing. I think they actually had said in one of the posts that they are not releasing any information. I think maybe because when they merged with the new company, they decided to trash whatever they had. Right. I mean, not okay. Not throw it out. Not shred it like we've been seeing in many various posts, but I think they just shelved it. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. You've only got so many resources at the end of the day, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, and uh, what was... Was there another book, I believe? Uh, yeah, well, that was the third one was Dark Ages Italy. Um, so, you know, Italy uh, in the Dark Ages. <laughs> Not much more than that, really. Um, I don't think you can say much more about that. No. Self-explanatory. <laughs> It kind of wraps it up. It pretty much probably was going to give you the breakdown of the cities in Italy, who was in charge, like the powers to be, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we've got a handful of those scattered over the years of uh, the Dark Ages line of Venice and uh, uh, Siena as well, I think, got some coverage. But yeah, well, seeing something fully fleshed on Rome would have been kind of cool. But I guess you can always go to uh, uh, Requiem for Rome for that if you need to. Well, yeah, yeah, that's always good inspiration for uh, Old World of Darkness. You can always take the new and push back to the old if you need be. Yep. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Now, hmm. Constantinople by Night. Yes. Uh, first setting book for Vampire of the Dark Ages. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. As a, as, a, as a setting book overall, it really, really uh, hit the button for me. You've now, used it quite it, a bit? You know, pardon? Have you used it quite a bit? Yeah, I did. I ran a, a series of games set in Constantinople, um, kind of before and after the time period suggested in the book. Got a lot of use out of it. Uh, now, as far as a, as a review goes, you know, you, you don't need to know the obvious stuff that it has a section on history, on geography, on NPCs, on factions, on story hooks. That's obvious, you know. Any supplement worth its salt is going to have that. The important question is where's the meat? What can I grab and use in my game right away? What will give me long term value? Right. What can I use as a GM exactly. or storyteller, yeah. I should say? Yeah. Well, the basic setup of the uh, of, of the uh, the book comes from the idea that vampires from Rome left Rome and tried to create a new dream, a successor to Rome's glory uh, in the world's greatest city, Constantinople. They set up an elaborately structured society, and uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> um, and that's the first standout concept in the book: is the nature of that vampire society. It's based around a founding trinity, uh, a Toreador, a Ventru, and a Tsimiche. Uh, and each one of them founds a family. And each one of their families has a number of lesser families in servitude to it. So you have this, you know, this set of interlinked clans almost. Uh, of that original trinity, one's dead, one has fled the city, and one's in torpor. And their successors are trying to run the show. So this gives the characters, the player characters, lots of allies and enemies to make with strong groups that cut across the lines of clan. Uh, it's high and handy for making coteries with a mix of kindred. So that gives you something that you can easily plug uh, a mixed bag of characters into right out the gate. And as we all know, we never, as a, as a GM or a storyteller, I should say, you never know what you're going to get in your group. 
Well, exactly. So having having a, a setting that you don't have to change too much that will allow you to fit that kind of material in right away, I think, is extremely useful. Um, it's filled with story nuggets. Uh, the chapter on history is littered with sidebars that give snapshots uh, of historical events, and each one is a story seed that you can use for flashbacks, for games set further back in the past, as inspiration for character histories. Uh, the geography chapter, which covers the layout of the city, is the same. You know, it's in the geography chapter that you find sidebars dedicated to the Nefandic mage Leila Medir, with her sponsors, sponsors the Dakani. Uh, those are a set of demons who later make an appearance in clan book Bali, so it's good to see them cropping up so early in the line. That sounds like an interesting uh, campaign uh, book. I mean, I would really uh, recommend picking it up. Oh. Um, there's a totally cool section on the artifacts of the Great Palace, which contains things like the Rod of Moses, uh, the stone that blocked Jesus' tomb, the Lance of Passion, you know, Longinius' spear. You can build a whole story arc around that alone. Um, and it's got more sedate and useful information like where are the churches with faith ratings, details on a couple of different types of inn and tavern, that kind of thing. And all of that's not including the story section at the end, which has nine actual story seeds, uh, in addition to these little things scattered throughout the book. And they all tie in very closely with the setting, uh, with material from earlier chapters, and can be woven into ongoing Constantinople Chronicles with ease. And again, they're themed around this idea of a trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that the founding vampires used as their inspiration. Interesting. And uh, this whole package put together, how much would you pay for this? Um, well, you know, I, I'd be willing to, to fork out like 15, 20 bucks for it, um, but it's, it's going for $7.50 right now, a PDF at DriveThruRPG. Uh, so, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get it when it came out. And I'm not sure what it would be going for on eBay or secondhand sellers right now, like uh, Noble Knight. But the PDF, $7.50, that's now, uh, it's this, a decent deal. Since oh, all our listeners from the last podcast we have, was that in U.S. dollars or was that in pounds? Or? That's, yeah, that's in, uh, in, uh, in dollars, U.S. dollars. Oh, well, that's a good price then for you. Uh, yeah, $7. For, yeah, yeah, that's good. I definitely recommend picking that up, uh, taking a look at it. Uh, and trying to use it. Mm. Well, picking up and using it now, using it straight away, is a little bit difficult. Uh, you know, if you're just looking for some cool or interesting NPCs, then the NPC section is great. There's plenty of fully fleshed out stats. Some of them are quite high generation. Um, and it's a good source of, of mentors or sires for modern games. Um, but really, it's long-term use where it's at. There's an immense amount of material in the book, enough to run several chronicles, all with differing points of focus. I mean, the history section alone is strong enough to allow you to plot games set in the city's past. Uh, for me, it's the differing structures of the clan, and then Scion family, and then political faction that all work together to make for such a rich and interesting vampire society. Um, players of Requiem will find this structure means it's easily used in a Requiem game. It's not too dissimilar to Requiem's system of covenants and bloodlines, and I reckon you could port it over to the New World of Darkness uh, pretty easily. Yeah, like we, all, we both know that the games are pretty much interchangeable and uh, mm. easily adapted. Well, yes, indeed. Actually, pretty much would wrap up that. I, 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 looking, looking at it and reading what I read, I would definitely give it for a resource for starting a new uh, chronicle. Maybe I would give it a four out of a five. What would you give it? Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know what stops it from from being a flat out five is the lack of something obvious like an index. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a common complaint with, uh, with White Wolf books, which is being, you know, it's being rectified in, in more recent years. But back in the old days, 
you might as well just flip the book open and stab at it with a pen in order to find something. You know, <laughs> that's the only way to find something back in the good old days. Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it lacks uh, an easy way to navigate the text. You've got this big s- section on history, a big section on geography, all the NPCs, and they're kind of ordered. But it, it's something you have to get to know. It's not intuitive. You can't just look at the contents and know exactly where you're going to have to go to find something. So that that makes it a little bit. Uh, difficult to just pick it up and go. You've got to spend some time digesting the material. But once you've done that, I agree. Yeah, you're away. It's an excellent, excellent resource. Well, we all we recommend that you just grab it and uh, whenever you have a chance, take a look at it. Uh, try to apply it to maybe one of your campaigns. And uh, if you do, let us know. Drop us a line. Tell us how it worked out for you. DarkerDaysRadio at gmail.com. That's the email. And... Uh, for the rest of this segment, I believe I was going to uh, speak upon the campaign that I was running for the uh, Dark Ages, and I'm going to be starting up real soon. Uh, your campaign, you said you were running as far as it was a mage campaign, correct? Well, th- yeah, we ran a crossover with Dark Age Vampire and Dark Ages Mage. Um, and it, during downtime, people would swap characters. Uh, the one I'm running at the moment is Mage, but yeah, with Dark Ages it was a cross between uh, Vampire and Mage. But you're, you're using Inquisitor, right? Uh, yes, but I just want to say one thing really quickly that I was the last couple of days I've been relooking over the Dark Ages Vampire core book, and I mm. have to say I do really now that I had more time and not rushed, I read over every page and every detail. I, I love the the history and the background, the time that they took. To put together the book, I mean the history on Cain and how he came to be, and what the speculation behind everything is. I was just sitting there. I'm like, wow, why didn't I, you know, absorb this before? This is wonderful. I mean, what the, the, do you think about the production, that? Yeah, the production value on the Dark Ages book and the revised Dark Ages core in particular is lush. Uh, you know, it's gorgeous to look at. Uh, it's well organized. It's well presented, and they've got the benefit of having. You know, 12, 13 years of Vampire the Masquerade and a good handful of years of Vampire the Dark Ages to draw upon. And I think that's allowed them to produce a really strong, coherent, and compelling setting uh, to be the flagship Dark Ages line. Yeah, it worked for me, absolutely. Uh, I know, as right now, I did take a, look, a little look around. Most of the books are going for a very high price for Dark Ages core book Vampire. Yeah, but I have managed to find a couple places that are selling the book for under twenty dollars. Outstanding! Wow. And I did pick up two copies of it for my group, so we at least have copies. Yeah, cool. Honestly, well, you can't get them for love nor money over here. They just know where to be found. Not at all, huh? Hmm. No, no. There was one shop in a local town nearby where one uh, guy hadn't complied with the recall. You know, there's this recall of Old World of Darkness products, right? And he just he just sat on them for a few years. <laughs> And then uh, had them in the back of a shop, you know, this massive stack of World of Darkness books just intermixed six or seven foot high. And uh, then he went out of business. (laughs) So they're gone now. (laughs) I wonder if you could find him and uh, offer to buy up his stash. I I bought up a a good chunk of it before he went under, that's for sure. Well, back on to what uh, you said. Yes, I am planning on running an Inquisitor game, definitely for Dark Ages. I know a lot of people don't really use it and they don't like it from what I've seen in a bunch of forums. I don't understand why uh, but I like it. I like the concept of the Middle Ages and I, I like the concept of hunters back then working for organizations. I mean it's like, you know, hunter in the olden days. So come on. 
Is it related at all to uh, the Inquisition book from their old Year of the Hunter? That kind of it was like a thin hundred-page supplement for uh, for Vampire, I think. The based on the, guide, I believe. No, it's just called it's just called Inquisition, and it was it was set in the modern era, but uh, with roots back in the medieval period. I wondered if if Dark Ages Inquisitor was related to that. I haven't. I, I don't have any real knowledge of Inquisitor, so I wasn't sure if they were connected in any way or not. Actually, I I, I don't know because I've never seen that book. To be honest. Okay, wow. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'd like to start up this campaign that I want to run and have my players start it up as, as pretty much hunters back then. I wanted them to uh, – their their guide was going to be the good Catholic Church. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and they were, gonna, they were pretty much ridding the area of the evil. I was going to make one really tough vampire in the Dark Ages. That was going to be the – as we would call the big bad guy, BBG. Yes, indeed. He was going to be the one that's always, you know, as you know, you see cartoons and you're a kid, I'll get you, you know, running away. And I know it's kind of cartoonish, but still, I want one of those type of villains that he can never catch. And uh, I was going to bring the campaign to the fact that, that they were going to move up into the new world of darkness, Hunter the Vigil. I was going to figure out a way for the vampire to escape them, elude them for a time being, and go into torpor, and then they were going to have to figure out a way to find him and maybe go into the future. And you know. So you were going to you were going to have the actual the same characters from uh, twelve hundred and whatever it was uh, actually transport themselves into the future. Definitely. Think of, oh wow! Think cool. of maybe like um, uh, Army of Darkness. How Ash took the uh, the drops of potion. Well, not screw it up like him, but take the <laughs> drops of potion and uh, and go into the future. I mean, there's there's possibilities, ways. I mean, maybe they can meet a oh, mage like and do something. Well, well, I figured that when you when you talked about the idea of studying in the Dark Ages with uh, Inquisition and then picking it up in the modern era with Hunter the Vigil, I kind of thought, oh, well, the Dark Ages characters will get defeated, and then it'll be for the hunters in the modern era to pick up the pieces and learn what had happened. But the idea of actually sending them forward into the modern time, yeah, there's just a wealth of fun to be had there. You know, the whole disconnection, they don't understand the world, they don't know where they are, and, you know, horseless carriages, oh my god, this kind of thing. Yeah, I think it'll work really well. Exactly. That's why I've I've talked to my group about it, and they uh, actually love the idea. And they can't wait to do it. So they're, I mean, they're on board with the idea of of, uh, of being set up to fail almost. You know, this idea that there's there's a, a villain who they're not going to get. They're not going to be able to catch him. Uh, are they aware of that, or uh, you're well, going to spring that one on them? They're not aware of that part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All they know is I just spoke to them about the idea of how they're going to start in the Dark Ages, and then we'll transition over to the modern-day Hunter the Vigil, and they were like, oh, wow, cool, that's going to be a great idea. I wonder how you're going to pull that off, and I said, you'll see. You'll see. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, do you have anything you want to say about Dark Ages? Um, well, you know, I'm... It's a, it's a setting that's kept me busy for a good few years, uh, and so, so much so that it's not something I think I'll be saying farewell to anytime soon. Uh, so, you know, I reckon that the, the mage game that I'm playing at the moment, we're doing flashbacks every session, and each session they're getting further and further back in the past. So I'm sure I'll be able to uh, work in Dark Ages Mage uh, at some point further down the line. Now, that's, that's actually kind of interesting, because maybe when I get to the... Hunter part, uh, the Hunter the Visual part, maybe I'll do some flashback uh, 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 game sequences and have them pull out the old characters and maybe act out a scene or 
maybe a fight or something like that. I, I actually like that idea. Yeah, you know, if if you if you transition to the modern era and you don't describe how the trans- transition happened, then you can play that out in flashbacks. So they, they you know they arrive in the modern era, don't know how they got there, and then they discover how they got there through sequences of a sequence of flashbacks. Quite interesting. I, yeah. I, I like this idea. I think I'm going to steal it. Thank you, buddy. You go ahead. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now I believe we're just going to talk about some new world of darkness or the current world of darkness as we call it. Yes, indeed. Uh, pretty much everyone is uh, – I've seen a lot of good, good things about it, a lot of bad things about it. Most people are like, oh, I don't want to switch over. I don't want to pay for the books. The books are, are worth it. They're beautiful, well-written. They yeah. uh, they correct a lot of things the Old World of Darkness had in it. That I mean, yeah, granted, it's a little limited on certain – say, for example, uh, the vampire book, Vampire of the Requiem. They, yeah, they did limit the clans a little bit, but they're still there. You could still play your clans that you had from the old days. Indeed. Um, I mean, I've, I've stayed with the old world of darkness and not through any dislike of the new. Um, I was just not finished with the old one. Um, but every new world of darkness book that I look at, be it the standard core line or Mage of the Awakening, uh, the ideas are leaping out of the page at you. Uh, it, they are written in such a way that you can take these things, dip your hand in, and it just comes out dripping with awesome. You know, they're really, really uh, incredible bits of work. They spend quite you know, a bit of time on the artwork, too, with the books. It's just quite amazing. Yeah, overall, the presentation is very good. You know, it's, it's maybe a little bit too rulesy for my taste, a, bit, a little bit too high on the crunch factor, um, but given that I'm playing a, an Old World of Darkness game, that at the end of the day is not an issue for me, so I can ignore the rules and just take out whatever story hooks uh, I'm interested in, and, you know, best of both worlds. Well, that's what they've always said about I think that's one of White Wolf's biggest policies, is just if you don't like it, don't use it. This is not right. Dungeons and Dragons. And it's written in every book. And, and you'd be surprised at the amount of people who, who don't seem to be happy just taking that single bit of advice. You know? You have to do I, it. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself nuts and get gray hair and be bald. Yeah. Well, that's going to happen to the best of us anyway, Vince. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, there's no, no sense in rushing it. Hey, I have a full, lush head of hair here and no gray. And, oh, what? No, no. No gray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my wife has... Uh, Tell you a different story about the gray, but <laughs> <laughs> can't trust them. Well, you know, yeah. And uh, they have uh, what do they have? They have five, they actually have five books right now, uh, I believe. Uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, they have the vampire. Cha- Did they have changeling right yet? Yeah, changeling the lost. Yeah, there's uh, vampire, werewolf, mage, changeling, Promethean, and then a couple of others that have been coming out recently. Uh, Inferno is one. There's slashes just came out too. Oh, Slashers. Uh, I was looking at that book for my Hunter game. I like that book. I mean, I like the concept. It's I don't know if you've read anything about it, but uh, I like the concept that you can take and make a monster killer from the horror movies. So think like the uh, 80s horror movies like Jason or Freddy uh, or awesome. Michael Myers. You can yes. sit there and construct. Even in, even in the book gives you examples of like this character type would be perfect to be Jason from Friday the 13th or this would be perfect to be Michael Myers or this would be Jigsaw from the uh, Saw movies, a mastermind. I mean, this book, uh, I read a couple pages of this book and then I couldn't stop reading it because I was just like, oh, this, oh, oh, great idea, great idea. Writing stuff down, writing stuff down. I'm really planning for this campaign. <laughs> 
Excellent. Well, that's what I think makes the New World of Darkness books stand head and shoulders above their predecessors, uh, which is that the ideas are focused. They're focused and they're tight and they're immediately usable. Old World of Darkness had a, had a fine set of ideas, uh, some excellent fluff, but here and there it got a little bit unfocused, you know? Um, so you, you have perhaps a, a, a richer setting overall with a little bit more breadth, a little bit more depth, but you kind of have to sift through it to find those nuggets of gold. Uh, what I've been impressed by the New World of Darkness books that I've read is you open the page and your nuggets are right there staring at you. you know, there's very little hunting needs to be done to draw them out and use them in game. Oh, definitely. I mean, you just everything you need is at your fingertips. Uh, they've rewritten a lot of stuff. Uh, I recommend picking up at least uh, the Vampire Requiem book just to read it, just to see what's going on. Um, if you can borrow the World of Darkness core book from a buddy who has it, I wouldn't. Honestly, I don't recommend buying it. I mean, unless you feel like playing Mortals, but who wants to play Mortals in World of Darkness? Well, you know, I've heard that there's a fair amount of people are picking up the the core book and running with that, and then just a handful of small supplements like urban urban legends or uh, slashes or uh, mysterious places, and just kind of having a game that maybe bears more resemblance to Call of Cthulhu or Unknown Armies, uh, where you know you've just got a couple of mortal folks and then a huge big bad world of unknown out there. And, you know, when they meet a bad guy, they don't even know whether he's a werewolf, a vampire, a mage, or a face-sucking horror. You know, they don't have that label to attach. And that, I think that lends a certain degree of... Uh, the unknown lends a degree of horror that you can't really capture if you're playing a supernatural. Uh, I have to... Yeah, I have to take, the, I take it back, and I agree that is a wonderful idea. And speaking about supplements, didn't you say you were reading up on some Urban Legends, the uh, book? <gasps> Urban Legends, yeah. I've been getting a lot of use out of this recently. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm an old world, old world of Darkness player, uh, first and foremost. Um, but a good idea is a good idea wherever you find it. Uh, urban Legends, I keep wanting to call it the book of Urban Legends because I'm an old school mage player like that. But there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a collection of, well, yeah, Urban Legends, uh, five or six of them. Um, each one fleshed out in a few pages that you can drop into your game and use. Um, You've got a guy who steals kidneys, um, the Jersey Devil, uh, Bloody Mary, who is a murderous spirit who comes out of mirrors to kill children. It's just the kind of thing that would have given me shrieking nightmares as a kid. <laughs> um, alligators in the sewers, um, doppelgangers, and then just people who vanish, who just go missing. Wow. That sounds like uh, Urban Legends from, directly from the website. Yeah, I mean, they are, they are the, the, the classic, famous, uh, archetypal urban legends. You know, the, the kidney thieves. You wake up in a bath, you're missing a kidney. Um, the, the Jersey Devil one, the, that one didn't work so well for me. It's got a long, annoying backstory that goes on for four pages at the beginning when you have to read it. So like, I don't want to go through four pages of something that's not going to be in the game. Thank you. Just get right <laughs> to the meat of it. I guess there's no room for Pop Rocks and Soda, huh? No, man, I just I want to see it right there, right now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can't include a campaign with Pop Rocks and so that'd be quite boring. Anyway, yeah. how much is uh, this book going for right now? Um, a drive-thru RPG is going for $12.50 as a PDF. And you could probably pick it up at your local gaming store for... Uh, ah. A little bit, a little bit yeah. more than that. Probably not much, too much more, though. So uh, I'm not sure exactly. I usually buy things offline or PDF format. Yeah, you know, much as I'd like to support my local gaming store, uh, the poor guy can't compete, you know. If it's a difference between going to his place and paying however much and then going to Amazon and paying 40% less, 
if it was a couple of bucks here and there, fair enough. But when you're talking about a forty percent discount, I think it's a shame. You know, but uh, I mean, you know? with the state of the economy over here in, in the states, I mean, I'm not sure how much better it is over there in the UK, but I'm sure it's pretty bad. Not much, not much. Yeah, yeah. you have to save money where you have to save money. I mean, I hate to say it, the local, the friendly local gaming shop guy. Uh, sorry, buddy. If I can get it off Amazon or somewhere else cheaper, I'm going to buy there. Yeah, and I feel rough about it because our local guy, he's really good. You know, he's really nice. He, he genuinely is friendly. Um, but like you say, you've got to save your own cash at the end of the day. So, uh, so there you go, $12.50 <laughs> uh, for the PDF. Well, I do have a good excuse, though, because the, the nearest local friendly shop is about 50 miles from me. 50 miles? <laughs> yes. I have various comic book stores around me, but none of which uh, actually do not sell any role-playing games. The one shop that is near me, I spoke to the owner about it, and uh, all he says was, nah, I don't, I don't do role-playing games. I don't like that stuff. It's too many kids hang around. You yeah. own a comic book shop. There's really? going to be people there. Ugh. 50 miles. It's like that old saying, you know... Uh, Hundred miles in England is a long way, and a hundred years in America is a long time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Okay, and uh, well, there is one book that I didn't put on our show notes that I was thinking about as we were speaking. But have you used the Monty Cook World of Darkness book? I haven't. I've looked at it, but I've not looked at it in any depth. Um, I, I love his stuff. I think his his design material for for D and D third edition is just fantastic. Uh, I love his Ptolus, uh City by the Spire. So I was very quick to pick up his World of Darkness, but uh, it kind of went on the pile, and I've not <laughs> gone it off again since. <laughs> so yeah. Well, supposedly, uh, from what I remember, uh, he wanted to write one last book before he went out. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he wanted to write something for the World of Darkness, uh, for White Wolf, I believe. Uh, don't take this as like 100% you know, gospel truth. This is what I think I remember reading somewhere. And he said, I'm going to write it this way. So he took the World of Darkness, combined it all into one core book using the D20 system, which happens okay. to be uh, quite used by quite a bunch of people. And I believe the story behind everything is that it's it's kind of weird. Like Everything's like aliens and there uh people who are asleep and awake in different ways i i really didn't get into it once i heard that it wasn't like the world of darkness as we know it i backed away it's a different setting isn't it it's got a whole sort of post-apocalyptic vibe going for it it's its own world i mean it's may say world of darkness on it but it's a totally different type of world of darkness than we are used to Right. Well, I was interested in checking it out, mainly because of seeing how he had turned Mage's free-form magic system into something that just uses a D20. Um, that's, you know, that's been my, my gripe about, about the storyteller system over the years, is there's just too many damn dice. Um, <laughs> Mage is okay, the dice pools don't get too big, but you know, running a Dark Ages vampire game or a werewolf game when the dice pools are getting into the double figures... That just drives me up the wall. I really can't stand that. <laughs> so the idea of rolling 1d20, I thought, hmm, yeah, I'm going to check that out. And uh, then I didn't. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of have to. Well, most uh, World of Darkness fans are probably cringing right now that we're talking about d20 because they often say that d20 gives you cancer. Oh, well, nobody <laughs> told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you forgot to get that memo. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, just uh, to... Uh, get to the end segment of the show. We'll talk a little bit about the World of Darkness uh, 
online game. I don't believe they have any name for it yet. And uh, the only release date we have ever seen is probably 2010. But then again, they've announced a lot of games in 2010. So, Yeah. Yeah, there's a series of, of increasingly vague rumors on this. Um, they apparently started the brainstorming and pre-development in 2006. Uh, and they said that their development cycle could be four to five years. So we're looking at yeah, 2010, 2011 even. Um, but still... Um, you know, they say that they're going to ch- make a few changes between the uh, pen and paper version and the MMO version, but most, if not all, of their developers have a background with RPGs and or pen and paper backgrounds, so that's good. Um, they've been running some prototypes, apparently, since uh, early 2008, and apparently they, they swung into full production uh, in March 2009. Wow. I, I, I was also reading that they are... Um, the same company that's making the makers of Eve Online, I believe. Yeah, that was the company um, merger that was between White Wolf. I think, believe they bought White Wolf out. They did CCP. Yeah, they bought White Wolf out. Um, and well, ever since then, uh, the rumor of uh, World of Darkness Online has just been continually at uh, the fringes. But it does look from uh, from recent documents that they're slating it for release in 2010. So you know, a year to wait. Ooh. Got a long wait for this game, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll see some more news. As we get more news, we'll update you. But some of the rumors that have been flying around, as I've heard, it's going to be set in the new World of Darkness. As White Wolf has said over and over again, they are done with the old or original world or classic World of Darkness. Done and dusted, yep, had its day. So we should probably be seeing, uh, I'm thinking, Vampire the Requiem. It makes sense to be the uh, to be the starter, you know. The uh, it's got the the highest profile. Uh, the systems are straightforward. Uh, it doesn't require huge open-ended uh, bit of programming to allow for you know mages' cre- creative thaumaturgy. Uh, I think it'll be a surefire win. Definitely, and that's I, and and Vampire has always been their flagship. I mean, why not just stick with it? Yeah, yeah. If it ain't broke, yeah, don't fix it. Uh, no. Do you have any other news about the... Uh... Well, I was interested to note um, their approach to, uh, to to make it a little bit similar to EVE. One of the things that sets EVE apart is that it has uh, a realistic resource and economic models. Um, so they want the game to have real-world financial models and be community-based. So the idea is that it'll it'll develop its own economy, that you can you know, buy and sell and trade and set up factions and politics and guilds on your own uh, based entirely just around the community without any input from outside. I just, the one reservation I have about this game, and I don't know, maybe other players will have it too, but most online games are just, uh, I don't know how many of you played in the past, I've played, excuse me, played quite a few of them, and they're just mostly hack, kill, slash, grind, hack, kill. Grind, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't see what they're going to do to make this game like a World of Darkness game. I mean, most of World of Darkness games revolves around acting and, you know, and a lot of social interaction. I mean, granted, there is a lot of, you know, there is some physical stuff that happens. Well, not actual physical stuff, in-game physical things, but, uh, you know, I just... I don't know how they're going how they're gonna do a rich story for a massive multi multiplayer online game and keep the interest of everybody. Yeah, I think that's going to be the big challenge. You know, um, 
there, there is if the community is strong enough, then you will you will get by definition uh, strong social interaction and interesting and diverse groups that will keep the play alive and keep it fascinating. Um, and that's the thing they've got to do. They've got to keep the community level high, keep the membership high, and keep it active to maintain interest. Uh, other than that, yeah, you do run the risk of it you know, devolving into a player versus player, uh, who's got the biggest katana kind of thing. You know? <laughs> or, or, or chainsaw, as the case may be. Oh, ho, ho. Wolfman <laughs> Jack. I, remember, I still remember that. The thing we used to always run around saying was, Wolfman Jack, number one contender. <laughs> <laughs> it's made my night that has really yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad it made somebody's night well on that note uh, we're going to end the show for this week uh, you want any, you want to drop us a line uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com uh, you can give us some advice uh, comments if you want to even drop in on the show we can uh, stick you in here for a few comments uh, yep Anything you want to see covered, just let us know. Uh, and you know, if there's any books you want reviewing, any topics you want to uh, see brought up, uh, yeah, we know. Changing the dreaming, we we hear that's going to come. Don't worry. Um, Next week, <laughs> yeah. I should say in two weeks, as we yeah. plot our evil show. I mean, we plot our show. <laughs> okay. Uh, once again, that's darkerdaysradio at gmail dot com. Drop us a line. We'll be happy to respond to you. Whenever we get a chance to. No, right away, of course, we'll be responding. Mark will be right on top of that. Type it I just away. Sit, <laughs> I, I, just, I sit there all day long just hitting refresh, waiting for the, the messages to come in. You know. Well, that's dedication, my friend. I, I, I yes, just, it is. I it love is. that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. This is Vince signing off saying good night. Yeah, sleep well, sweet dreams. And uh, we'll see you around guys.